you are finding yourself in the trenches of homeschool, like way super deep, and you think, there is so much, my day is so full, and I still have blank many years left. Maybe it's five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years left of this. And you're saying to yourself, how am I not going to go insane having to manage and just have part in every little bit of their education because that's what you're doing right now. Now, first, you are not doing school. Remember that. Second, the goal is to guide and then raise your children to be independent learners. And that is the subject we are going to tackle right now. Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode, feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, homeschool mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Before we get into the weeds and flesh all this out, I want to talk to you about the fact that independent learners, that term can have some nuance to it. Remember, families vary. And what I want you to do is to really lean into your vision statement because that is going to guide you and show you what does this look like for your children to be independent learners. Your vision statement is going to guide that. But today, I'm going to warn you here, you're going to drink from a fire hose with just tons of information. And I want you to pull out the gems that light you up for your family. Don't worry about Susie homeschool mom down the road or across town or your sister, your sister-in-law or strangers that you don't even know that homeschool. Don't worry about what they're doing. Pull out the gems that are, that make you feel like, yeah, okay, that is the goal. That's what I want to do. For me, when I came across this topic, this subject, it was really just independently. I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have friends at homeschool. I didn't have a lot speaking into me especially those that had older children. I had friends that homeschooled, but pretty much they all had children that were younger than my kids. And first what I had to do is I had to unlearn schooling and then learn what education means. And I continue in this. This is something that I have to continually do. So if you are in that process, know that it is not complete. I get Instagram messages often from you saying, I am just really struggling with this. I'm just repeating school And it's just so hard. And I want to tell you, yes, it is hard. Do you know why? Because us moms that are homeschooling and we are saying we want to do this differently. We don't want to just do school at home. We want our kids to really love education and learning and show them how to become independent learners that they therefore never stop wanting to learn. And we don't want to follow what the system does. We are first generation breakers of that mindset of the indoctrination, of just the heaviness of this is how it's supposed to look and this is the way education has to be when the education system, the school, the government school system has only been around for a little over 100 years. This is all fairly new in light of the grand scheme 
of the thousands of years that the world has been going and people have been learning and education. I mean, oh my goodness, how did people learn before the government told them how to learn? Okay, we'll just cut that there. But just know that you are first generation of breaking this and your kids are going to have an easier time. They might have some, especially kids that went into school. That's okay. Because, and they also, even if they didn't go to school, they might have friends that go to school and they just see maybe on TV shows and movies, this portrayal of school. And so they have some in them, and but they will have an easier time. Guess what? Your grandchildren are going to have an easier time than even your children. And then the next generation, next generation, you are making generational changes right here, right now, today, by homeschooling and by educating differently and saying, we're not just going to do school. We're going to look at this different. So I want you to tuck that nugget into the back of your mind and remember that you are breaking some school system chains and we are all doing it. So we're all we're all working at it. So I want to encourage you to talk to your homeschool mom friends about this, that you don't don't feel so alone. But for me, I had to unlearn schooling and I had to learn what education is. And I'm still doing that. And I am on my last kiddo that I'm homeschooling. And I'm like, this is this is really great. It's actually fun. And it's a lot more freeing. I'm like, okay, can we do this over again with all the kids? Because I would do it a lot differently. But I only knew from my background of my schooling background of going to public school, I only knew that learning and education, quote unquote, could happen when children are micromanaged and directed by adults. And so I therefore assumed that that's what I had to do for my children. I mean, if you even look at the state regulations in some states, that's really what they want to do as well, because they still see it as school. So I had to unlearn schooling and learn what education really is. And that's something that I assume that you are in the process of doing as well. Maybe this is an introduction to for it uh, to you. And that's exciting as well. But today we're going to let's get into it here. Talk about raising independent homeschool learners that don't need you to teach them every lesson. And in order to do that, I want you to remember that education is a process and it is highly individualized. Even just think about you and your husband. You're probably different. You have different interests. And that's okay, right? You say that that's okay, that you two are very different. It's okay for your children to be very different and be very different from other children. So remember that education is a process and it's highly individualistic. I encourage you to have goals for independence for your children when it comes to their education. And I also want you to remember to adjust and adapt to your kids. You can have these grand goals and say, I want them to be fully independent by age 12. And you have a child that is a little less mature or just has, just, just needs mom a little bit more. That's okay. So adjust. You can have some ideas, but don't write them in stone. Write them just on your paper and know that they can be adjusted. And that's okay. You adjust and you adapt. And guess what? Sometimes those kids that maybe need mom a little bit longer, suddenly they just take off and they are more mature and you can trust them more with some more independence. So that also then leads into just remember that kids at different levels are going to be more mature and they some of your kids might move through this process of becoming more independent learners much faster than their siblings did, whether their siblings are older or younger. And if they're less mature, they might move through slower. Guess what? Both of them are fine. Why? Because education is a process and it is highly individualistic. 
going to put out a disclaimer here before we've been even more here is that when I'm talking about your children being independent and not needing you, mom, I'm not saying that you shouldn't teach your first grader lessons. You kind of have to put the time in. And I know that during those elementary years, especially as you're homeschooling multiple children or you have younger little ones, toddlers, preschoolers, babies at home, it is, like I said in the beginning, you're in the trenches, you're in deep, and you have to put the time in. And that's okay to do as well. Just know that this is a process and you'll find yourself, especially if you follow me a little bit on Instagram, you might be like, oh, she's got a little more free time than I thought a homeschool mom has. Well, I have one child that has moved out of the house. I've got one that is living at home, but working completely on his own business. And so he's independent. And I have a 16-year-old who is mostly independent with his homeschool stuff. I do a lot of leading and guiding. We'll get into that a bit more. So don't compare how things are to you and me or to any other mom in a different season or even a different mom. Just the dynamics of the family can be different. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't teach your first grader lessons and you say, you have to be independent. I know you're six years old, but you got to be fully dependent, independent, just so that you do need to put some time in. But they still, if they're in first grade, they can still do something independently. Just maybe not the full where, you know, you don't have to teach them any type of lessons. And we're going to get into specific age ranges in just a minute. So the goal here is to begin the independence and the teaching them independence with their education in the elementary school years. There's even time before that when kids are toddlers and preschoolers and they learn how to play on their own. I remember that being really important to me is letting my kids know that it's okay to play on their own and to be on their own. And so you've already started that process. This is just in a different sphere of education. And that's when I say a different sphere, it's really not as you go through this and you start to learn more of what education is. You start to see that it really is just a whole life. It's just a lifestyle and it doesn't have to be put into a box. But as we're moving towards that, seeing it's a whole lifestyle, just know that it might still be a little bit of a box right now and that's okay for you. So the goal is to begin the independence in the elementary years and then give some more to them as they get to middle school and through middle school and start to loosen the reins a little bit. And then you get to high school. And again, this is very individualistic. And I'll share a little bit about my own experiences when we get to the high school section when it comes to, you know, the amount of independence and stuff for each child. But it's really kind of my goal is by the end of high school, they are completely independent I am a guide and somebody who is a cheerleader as well for them. So what does this look like? Let's break it down into the three different age ranges. So we'll say like the younger years, the elementary age years. And again, remember this is highly individualistic and education is a process. So think of it just with each individual child, but also think for your whole family, what would be a goal? And then you can adapt and adjust as needed. So little things that you can do when in the younger years to start to encourage them towards independence is letting them help choose the curriculum. And some of you might have just had a heart attack right there when I said that. But just think about it. But it comes to something like science. You're like, I don't really care if we study bugs or we study the weather. Why don't I ask my child what they would rather do? And we do that. Maybe it's an entire science curriculum you get, or maybe it's unit studies. But ask them for their input. What are they interested in? They might say, I don't know will then start to observe what they do in their free time and what they are asking questions about, and then go ahead and 
find a resource that is going to come alongside that. And that's kind of them giving a little bit of their independence and you showing them, hey, I know that I asked you which kind of science, what you wanted to do and you didn't know, but I sort of noticed you were really into getting into rocks and geology. So that's what we're going to do. And just watch for them to light up because mom noticed what they were interested in and they get to do that as quote unquote school. And so it's something that's fun. They're like, wow, I get to do something fun, like study rocks and geology for school. How awesome is that? You can also look at that when it comes to history. Find a time period that they would be mostly interested in. Maybe they're really into the Civil War time period or Revolutionary War or the Wild Wild West. Those kind of tend to be popular topics for younger children. And study that when it comes to history. Maybe they're into ancient history. And then you can do also geography. Maybe they want to study the states or they want to study the entire world. And you find resources and ask them. Let them choose. Maybe they don't quite choose the exact resource. Maybe you do that. You just ask them to give some input when it comes to the topic. Now, you might notice I did not throw math in there. So let's talk a little bit about math. This is also going to depend upon your child. But I have a sneaking suspicion that most elementary age kids, if you say to them, which math would you like to do? Do you like this curriculum or this curriculum? They're probably going to say none. I don't want to do either one of them. So I would use your powers of observation and also look at your vision statement and what are your goals. I ended up choosing a pretty rigorous math curriculum for my kids because personally, I felt like my education when it came to math was really lacking and I didn't feel strong in it at all. I was just pushed along. And so I really wanted to find something solid. And my kids were super solid during the elementary. I mean, they continue to be. But this curriculum, that was that was a vision that I had. It was part of my vision that went, and that was my goal, that I wanted them to be really solid in math. And so that was a non-negotiable, but I allowed them independence when it came to some days they just got to do independent work when it came to math. It was just review. There was no need for a lesson on a review day. I was like, it's okay. They can go ahead and just do review. I would give them independence as well as maybe to choose the order of their other curriculum that they would do in the morning. That is a huge way to give them independence. You can also let them maybe choose the uh, order of events when it comes to the day or the order that you're going to do some of your formal curriculum. Get some input from them when it comes to extracurricular activities that you're doing and find out. If they don't want to play soccer, don't enroll them in soccer. Give them some independence. Say, what would you rather do during that time? Maybe they say, well, I'd rather go to the library, or I'd rather write poetry than play soccer. Okay, let them make that choice. Let them take ownership of what they are interested in doing, because guess what? Most of their lives, they're going to be doing that, and you get to teach them how to do that so that they are not paralyzed and frozen when they move out of the house and they can't make decisions of how to spend their time that, I think, is just a huge thing. Uh, young people just get so sucked into all the media and they just don't have any goals and things that they want to do and how to spend their time. And you can begin to shape that thought pattern in the younger years, in the elementary years. You can also get their input when it comes to, I'll say, electives, when it comes to extra subjects. And what do they want to do? You want to learn how to bake. That's a quote-unquote school subject. That's something you can include in your education. Maybe they want to study the stars and constellations. Well, do that. Add that into your days. So let's now go into the middle school years, which is maybe like sixth through eighth grade. And if you're not super set with grades, I know that some of us 
especially myself. We have to have grade levels because that's what the state requires. And if you ask my now 10th grader what grade he is in, he will look over at me because he's never been in school. To him, it's just an arbitrary number and he completely forgets. He knows that he's in high school at this point. We've gotten that so far. We got that solidified. But the middle school years. Now, this, as I mentioned, state regulations, the middle school years really, it can depend upon what your state regulations are, but also not just that. It can depend upon how comfortable you are with creating courses of study that still comply and align with whatever paperwork that you might need to submit. And we're going to leave that a little bit open-ended there. But as for middle school, you can do the same things that I mentioned earlier with the elementary school years, but you're just going to do it on a larger scale. You're going to give them more independence when it comes to science, instead of maybe you offering a couple different options, maybe you really just let them sit and take a look at a lot of different options. And it's just as bigger. It's really just is on a bigger scale than it is in the elementary years and just allowing them more independence, especially when it comes to extracurricular activities and how they spend their time and how they want to um, spend time with friends and how that then affects them in other ways and affects their sleep. And there's just a whole lot that we can really dive into when it comes to the tween years. And another option when it comes to middle school years, and some of you are not going to, you're going to be like, this is crazy ideas, but maybe you give them some input on the hours that they spend on their formal education. It's okay if they say, oh, I'm going to do it in the evening. And then they sit around or they fool around all day long and come evening and they're still sitting there working on their stuff and everybody else is having fun or going to bed and they're tired. It's okay to let them fail. And then you have a conversation. You say, you know, how do you think that went last night? Putting off your homeschool work until later in the evening. And <laughs> depends upon the personality. Some kids might say something like, oh, it was absolutely fine. It was okay, mom. And some kids might be like, you know, that, that was bad. And you're like, okay, well, how can we adjust? But it's letting them begin to fail during those tween years because that's when the most growth and the most learning happens. Think about when you fail at something. You learned a lot. Say you're baking a new cake and it just falls flat. Maybe it's a new type of dessert you've never made. And maybe you're making macaroons. I know those are like a takes a whole process to make those. They're delicious. If you make macaroons, I love macaroons. I'll take some. <laughs> but just know that if it fails, you don't say, oh, that's it. I'm just going to give up. I'm not going to try it again. No, you say, OK, what do I think went wrong? And I'm going to adjust that the next time. That's the same thing with kids. And we they learn so much. They might Some of them might be hesitant to admit that they learn a lot. But just know during the middle school years, it really is just like the elementary years, but just bigger and more. And it's just opening up your hands and letting them go a little bit more. Then we get to the grand finale of high school and you get the awesome privilege. Now, you've already been doing this, but even more so on a bigger scale, you get to partner with them. Your goal is to prepare them for their future options, whether that's college, whether that's trade school, whether it's taking a gap year before doing one of those or it's going off to work, getting a job, whatever they're kind of interested in. It is this time when they're in high school is preparing them for all those future options. And it's taking time to observe them and giving them opportunities to be able to step into certain fields. And they might say, oh, I thought I wanted to get into medicine, but I went and talked to my mom's friend who's a nurse and I don't think I want to do that. Well, good. Guess what? We can cross that off the list and we can move on to something else instead of being fixated 
on saying I want to get into the medical field and then being like, I learned that there's a lot of blood and there's a lot of bodily fluids that I don't want to deal with. Now, it might take some maturity and they might say, you know what? I remember that conversation that I had with my mom's friend and they might be 18 at this point and say, you know what? I think I can handle that now. And that's okay. It's still, it gives them, it gives them options. It's so refreshing to be able to have some options. And that's the goal here. So let them choose their topics and the curriculum, but also make sure it aligns with your goals. I remember having a friend who's had a daughter who was for science. So we have to do in our state two units. So basically two years of science. And most kids, when you go to school, you do biology one and then you do chemistry. And some of, I guess, sometimes they start off maybe with earth sciences in there too, but there's usually an order to it. And her daughter was like, I have no interest in doing chemistry, but she really enjoyed biology one. But then she's like, you know, I really kind of like ocean animals. So they got into marine biology and she did her two sciences. I thought that was, I loved that because she did what she wanted to do instead of being forced to do chemistry, which she had absolutely zero, no interest in. And I'm guilty of making a child or two do chemistry by the time, we'll say third time's the charm. And the third time he did do chemistry, but he was so interested in it. We did it completely different. And my older two were very jealous of that. But it all it's okay. It all worked out. But just make sure that as you get their input for the topics and the curriculum, that it aligns with your goals and your vision for your family. My goal when it comes to high school, I had a lot of goals, okay? But what I, wanna, what I wanted to do when it comes to the meeting my state's regulations, my goal was to get as much done as we could in the first two years of high school. And so we are halfway through the second year of that with my youngest, and it's a lot. It can be really heavy and a bit intensive because you know what my goal is, is that then the last two years are basically tons of electives. We might still have some requirements to get done, but a lot of electives. And we have a lot of time to be able to go, to go and do some internships and to shadow people and to just do a lot of really cool things with our time because I know that those regulations are done. They've met. I've done the paperwork and the school district says, OK, we see that you've got that done. And so that's my goal. That's a little bit of a tidbit um, that I've really learned. And it's really served me well going forth here with uh, homeschooling and on my third kiddo. But let me add this, as you give them more independence in high school, don't separate them so much from the family. Still, if you can, it really, this also depends upon the age range of your children. But if you can, still include them in morning time. I remember my oldest getting to the point where she was doing high school and she was much more independent and I could trust her to be very independent but I still had her do morning time with her, with her brothers, with all four of us, because I felt like it was really important for our the bond of our relationships. And we were doing a lot of different studies and books that I wanted her to be included in. So she would do that with us. And then the rest of the time, she was independent. Now, I did mention that she was very well independent, and I could make her much more independent earlier. My boys, not so much. And Maybe some people might say this is a little bit of a sexist thing to say, but you are a mom, you have children, you see the difference overall when it comes to boys and girls. And so obviously there's nuances, there's differences. But with my boys, I had to hold their hands a little bit more until they really found their niche, the thing that really captured them. 
So for my oldest son, when it got to entrepreneurship, I mean, he's just, I don't, I mean, he's done. He's done with school, but I have no part at all in his business. And I did in the very beginning. But when he really started to take ownership and really found himself interested in it, I didn't have to do anything. Just partner with him and provide some resources if he was unable to find those resources. And so I'm seeing that with my youngest as well, just kind of holding his hand a little bit more than I had to with his sister. And that's okay with me. And leading and guiding, but he's so much more independent than he was even just last year and the year before. So that's the goal is that you see a progression every single year. So I hope that you have pulled out some nuggets and you are excited about the future of your family and homeschooling. And if you are not in the Facebook group, I want to encourage you to go ahead over and join the group because if you enjoyed this podcast episode, you enjoy chatting with other homeschool moms that are like-minded, I know that you're going to enjoy the group. So check out the link in the show notes for that group. We would love to have you over there. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama.